Hey, good day, everybody. It's Joe here. Thank you for joining us for another Amped interview. I guess I can say that this one is a bit special to me, uh, mostly because if you guys have been following our history, uh, you've been following the podcast this year, you know that uh, back in February, I sat down and had a great conversation with Anthony and Chris and, and Jared and the guys from Brothers McClurg. And the result was a corrupt audio file. It was certainly a disappointment for me that that didn't work out. Thankfully, the guys were kind enough to shoot me a note when they knew they were on their way to the Northwest, and we coordinated and uh, managed to set up a time to just sit down around a table and have a conversation. We were also lucky enough that our good friend, Paul Herman from CCLI, generously offered a conference room, some space in their building so that we would be comfortable and uh, had just a generally a good place to have a conversation. So really, this uh, interview is a blessing. We had so much fun with it. You're going to have to excuse the crunching in the background. I did what I could, but the fact is when guys are sitting around a table and talking and there's a big bowl of M&Ms in the middle, we are going to eat the M&Ms. Guys, so great to have you here. Enjoy the interview. We'll catch you on the other side. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to CCLI Palatial Headquarters to be for only three more weeks. That is correct. And uh, I'm Joe Brookhouse from Frequency. We've got one microphone. We have several phones working at the same time. Well, maybe just one phone, Jesse's phone. And uh, I'm joined here with the gentleman. Is that a stretch? Gentleman? Yeah, what? Gentlemen from Brothers McClure. We'll go around and do quick introductions for people who are listening, but we are, we're also graced with the presence of my good friend, Paul Herman from CCLI. Say hi. It's great to be here because I'm here every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, they provided uh, melon that uh, it's good. you can keep eating. You don't oh, have to be shy. Delicious. M&M's and uh, snack food. But Anyway, um, folks who are listening probably know that uh, back in February, I interviewed these guys, and it was a great interview. It was about an hour long, mm. and uh, there, about five minutes of it was useful uh, when all of a sudden done. But the benefit is, is that was before the two new albums had come out, Home, which is a full LP, and then Around the Mic, which is an EP. Mm-hmm. We had talked about those, but I hadn't heard them, had no sense of what was on the other one, what you guys had told me about it. So now we get the opportunity to talk about it now that I've actually taken the time to listen to it and got to soak in it, I think is the right word. Mm-hmm. So let's do the quick interview uh, interviews, introductions. Paul's already introduced himself, but um, around the table. Yeah, I'm Anthony. Hey, I'm Jeremy. Jeremy hates interviews. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Jesse. Play keyboard with the guys. Yeah. Chris. Uh, play guitar. Right. Lead guitar. <laughs> lead, lead guitar. Lead guitar. What's your definition of lead guitar? I know what I want to hear. <laughs> play this part, hum it out, and then Jeremy plays it. Yep. And then Jerry plays well, it. then he doesn't Jerry. play it. He goes in and plays something else. <laughs> do we have Do we have issues to work through now that we're the group yeah, therapy session? Yeah, We're getting there. We're fine. We're We're like a family. You, you just know. get used to it and roll with it. You know, we're kind of. I think you hit that point in when you thirties where you just stop stop caring. And you're just like, it is what it is. Yeah, and it works. So there's no reason to break something that isn't 
broken or fix what is it? Fix something that's not broken or break something that's working just fine. Yeah, which is the way I work with the lawnmower at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, the albums came out. Both of them came out the same day. Uh, end of was it March thirty first? Is that the actual? I uh-huh. think that's the actual yeah. day it came mm-hmm. out. Um, we just did a review of Home, um, and we had the the amped interview, that five minute deal we posted. But now we get to to talk a little more. So, for folks who aren't familiar with you, a few years ago you guys released an album with Integrity, mm-hmm. and then subsequently you guys are with Sprig. Subsequently, we've got two two new albums. I want to talk about Home primarily, if you guys sure. don't mind. Mm-hmm. So, the how this came together. Uh, it's less contemporary worship and more, from what my perspective, in tune with your kind of legacy, your family legacy. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, my brother and I, the, we had a family growing up that sang gospel, Southern gospel music from upstate New York, which is sort of ironic. And um, they, until uh, we were about eight or nine, uh, toured all over the the, the country so we traveled with them and in, in a bus and um when they retired uh, but they released a bunch of vinyl records and and stuff like that and then when they retired uh when we were about eight or nine they, get, they came off the road you said retired not when they were tired yeah well, probably both oh, okay probably <laughs> both yeah uh yeah when they retired from it yeah, they retired from the road, and then my grandfather uh, continued to sing. He kind of was trying to search for a place to serve and discovered that in nursing homes, uh, folks didn't really have a place to worship. He's more of a, a Pentecostal, charismatic preacher, um, and so he would go in and sing and preach. And um, and so in the summers, when our parents got tired of us hanging around the house, they would send us with him. And um, we would sing, and that's kind of really where we learned uh, how to lead worship for the first time was just with my grandfather. And so um, he's still, he's 92, and he still does uh, three, you know, three nursing homes a week at some points. And so, yeah, he's just, uh, he's been an anchor for us. And so when we started to work on home and around the mic, uh, we we decided to uh, kind of listen back to what our parents had done, um, sort of the roots behind where we had come from. And it's always been there, but I think after we released Join in the Sound, which came out on Integrity, um, we were heading in that direction. But I think this is probably the furthest point <laughs> that we've gone thus far, you know, in, in gospel or yeah. something like that. So that's kind of where it came from was just that we, we kind of rediscovered these old vinyls that were in our basement and um, just started listening to them again and thought, oh, it's kind of, you know, I wonder what it would sound like if we put our spin on our family legacy. And um, so that's kind of where it got its, you know, start. Uh, and like I said, I think there's hints of that in Joining the Sound, but this is a further yeah. push in that direction. And, and Chris was listening to a lot of Johnny Cash. At the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of brought it all out. Yeah. No, you definitely hear all those influences in the album. So let me ask you this, though. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll turn and ask you. Uh, I'm pointing it to Chris. Yeah. Uh, um, so how, how did it feel to, to make that shift more in that roots direction? Was it comfortable, uncomfortable? 
Uh, for me, it feels like a blanket, you know, mm -hmm. so to me, it's very comfortable, but I'm not, I'm just curious how you felt about it. I think kind of made this a more, mo more modern worship album for joining and the sound. So I think listening back to some of that uh, older music, gospel music, uh, different artists from back in the day, trying to figure out what parts felt very worshipful, yeah. and what parts I could believe in. Um, because I also still recognize that we're kind of like we are in the worship genre. Yeah. Um, so I wanted songs that still had uh, a res you know a story line to them, but some parts of the songs where you could respond and worship. You know, like I reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I yeah. reach out, you know, so trying to find those on ramps for people to feel like they could engage in worship. So it felt really natural, but also kind of realized that. For some people who hadn't been kind of riding in those circles or listening to that music, it could feel like a bit of a stretch, you know, yeah. from uh, some of the older gospel stuff or, you know, just different artists from that era. But just kind of wondering what it would be like to, to bring some of that back again into the modern fold. Because uh, I hadn't really, I haven't really heard worship artists kind of really take that and run with it so hard. It's always like you know, they're very segregated or they're very like, well, you're either gospel or you're the, or right. you're, you're, you're worship. Gaither, you're Jason Crabb right. over here. Or you're the, you know, or you're a more modern sounding folk music, like in All Sons and Daughters. Right. So it's kind of more of a modern take on the Civil Wars or Wren Collective is kind of a take on the Mumford and Sons thing yeah. stretched out. So this is, to me, is more of a different brand of folk, more to bringing that old school kind of like vibe back into the present, yeah. breathing new life into it kind of thing. Well, we did like Do Lord. You guys remember? I don't know if you guys said Do Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. right. Do Everybody Lord. started. <laughs> so yeah. we've been doing that in church because my congregation, when you play something like that, just gets it, yeah. right? And that's what home feels like. But it's also, I mean, there's a lot of 70s influences in there. I, I, I think I've referenced Seven Bridges Road. Yeah, right. Great reference, yeah. But I think it's also a great bridge between not just joining the sound in this in this current album, but also for people who are used to contemporary music. Um, I think it's a great bridge for them back into into more of that roots stuff, the mm -hmm. roots music, and then for people like you know, like people at my church who were, you know, septuagenarians, or if you guys don't know what that word is, look it up. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to them. Um, that uh, they they just grasp on that, like with a hunger, because at some point, modern culture does not cater to them, and they're left behind. And something like this, you're, you're basically reaching out and saying, hey, um, we want you to, to be a part of this worship movement as well. And, yeah. It was something really beautiful about just, I mean, it's, it is modern in the sense that, you know, you can grab an acoustic guitar or a keyboard, which is generally what people lead worship from. But really with that kind of music, that's all you need. One guitar, yeah. a couple good people singing and just lifting your voice. So to me, it's very, it's very natural, even though it feels so, it feels kind of foreign because it's all you're not that you're running a risk, but to say I'm going to lead worship from my guitar on a Sunday morning for 500 people the entire time is it are we going to give them enough highs and lows? And is this going to dynamically go in a lot of different places? But naturally, there's there's such a heart heart 
feel that kind of happens and and just people singing and raising their voices to God. And I think there's probably more of a need for it than we realize in modern worship. Cause I think, I think the reality is I think it's harder, you know, if most churches are under 200 people in America, yeah. it's harder for them to do this, the lights and the, the U2 sound in worship, try to emulate that well than it is for some guy to play some songs on his guitar, some there's power in the blood and some of these old songs. And then, finding new songs that kind of have that old sound kind of re rebirthed in that, you know, or breathe new life in it. So to me, it's like, I think it's more like perspective, you know, and I think if more churches kind of grab onto that, but in conferences, we've been, we've pushed so long, this kind of Bono is not, he's a Christian, but you know, he's like our spokesman and I love Bono. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I, I just kind of resonate more with, and then when you play it, like we played it at Creation, it was funny to watch people walk by and then kind of be like, stand there and watch us play, and they're like, "Am I in a time warp? Is this like yeah, like cows?" That yeah, like train. like, yeah. but like all of a sudden, it, it's it's so Americana. I think that it's easy because it's so in tune with the land and the the soil and these yeah. kind of songs and these this kind of singing that even for kids that have no connection to it, there's some sort of a it pulls on them a little bit, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's less, it's less technical, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could record a whole record like this one, a couple microphones in a room, and just like, this is what it is. And so, to me, even around the mic is even further from home. And saying like, okay, couple microphones to analog tape. We're gonna do this the way they. In fact, this thing that this machine. He's you'll pointing see it. At, uh, he's pointing at the back of the CD cover. And if you open it up, the funny thing is this, there's like a whole, the whole analog tape machine is in there. And we did an interview about it, but they did a bunch of Willie Nelson records on this, this tape machine that we use. So it just had this very indigenous, not that anybody really cares other than us, but. Well, no, I mean, yeah. I feel like I, I, I guess a lot of it feels like maybe that the, so like we just played at <laughs> National Worship Leaders Conference and. We we were play, we played in between. So you have like Zealand, who's like the guy from um, one of the guys News from Boys. News Boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and then um, right after us was Jeremy Riddle. You know, and then you got you got us in the middle doing this like chicken picking. <laughs> you know, and and the night. I mean, the cool thing about it was that I think it just brought. Uh, um, there was a different perspective on and, and you're leading for worship leaders. So we're still there to serve and we're still there to hopefully uh, lead them because for a lot of them, that's their break. You know, that's yeah, where they yeah. get filled up. Um, but I think after it was over, there was this feeling of like, wow, that was just it was a different spin on. It's almost like, um, of course, we're not the first ones to do this, mm -hmm. but it's so old that it becomes new again. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And. I think the same with like when we were recording around the mic, the feeling of like we, the three of us or, you know, whoever was there would go into the control room and just stare at the two inch tape machine working because we grew up. I mean, our first record was done on um, like ADAT machines. So it was like this cassette video yeah. cassette tape thing. Right. And it's all in there and it's, it's digital. And then it goes to pro tools and then you're just looking at waveforms like that, right? Yeah. And and um, and then so when we were doing it, we would just walk in there and just stare at it working. It was like we would find ourselves just 
fascinated by this technology that we totally missed as, you know, as recording yeah. people, you know? So um, I think there's a return and there's a sort of a return to that coming along the way where um, it feels familiar, but people are trying to discover why does that feel familiar? Yeah. You know, it's almost like, I think I've heard this before, but I don't remember where. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just in their heart, you know, somewhere like their parents probably were well, playing it's, it. It's know? all over the album, though. Yeah. I mean, from one song to another, it's not just the same reference. You'll listen to one song, go, that reminds me of, and it's right on the tip of your tongue. What does that remind me of? You know, and I, I've listened to the album a number of times while I go running. Mm -hmm. So I'll be out and I'll be going, oh, I should do this one at church, but what does this remind me of? What, um, you know, and maybe mile four when I'm delusional, I yeah. start to sort of remember what it was about. Um, Good uh, for you to make it to mile four, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, it's hard for me to get to like one, you know, mile one. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we'll talk more about that later. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. May your voice be louder than my own And nearer to the bone Closer to your will In your presence still And pull me like the tide My heart is open wide And longing to be filled In your presence still um, let me ask you about, uh, about a couple songs. Maybe before I go there, I wanted to acknowledge that if you're if you're listening to home, it starts out. I really appreciate the way it starts out with the kind of AM, you know, scanning through the AM stations. Just out of curiosity, did you guys just record and then just plop some things in there? Uh, it sounded like one. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm shaking yeah, yeah. your head like I don't know what you. No, no. I yet. mean the 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 oh. first one is my grand grandpa. Yeah, yeah. And then lands on uh, our mom singing a song, like from oh, cool. one of her vinyl albums. And then it lands into Move a Song. So it's yeah. kind of like a time warp of like generations. Ancestry of going from one record to the next kind of thing and, and leading into the present day. Yeah. Kind of so. No, I really appreciated that because there's a tip of the hat to your, to your grandfather in there. I didn't realize it was your mom because mm. um, after I had. I had listened to this, I gave it to a friend, and mm -hmm. he has to give it back to me. So I didn't have the reference to that. I was listening to it streaming. Pay for your CDs, people. <laughs> um, and uh, so I didn't have that reference. So I appreciate that. And then you sing with your grandfather on one of the tracks. Yeah, yeah. at the end. Well, Grandma's Rocking Chair. Is that what it is? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Of course, you should know. It's your album. Thanks. Yeah. You're, you're weaving that in there. There's even a, a little uh, right somewhere smack in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's not listed here. Is another interlude yeah. where you go back into uh, uh, to the roots reference. Yeah. Kind of like a side two start of start yeah. Of so for people who used to listen to vinyl, which is coming back, just like this yeah. music we're talking about here, we remember having to flip the album over. Right, <laughs> right Paul. Yeah. Uh, I remember my 45 of American Pie, where you had to flip the uh, oh, 45 man. over halfway through the song. <laughs> That's right. right. Oh, wow. That song was uh, so long. It was a seven-minute song. Yeah. Yes. And then they just the radio edit was what, three minutes long? Um, something. That was yeah, crazy. Some, something, something wrong is what it was. But a 45 and a little plastic thing you had to put in there. Yeah. I'm dating to myself. make it bigger? Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, well, I had that, too. 
Yeah. Are we, we're not the same age. We're close enough, apparently. Yeah. 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 Well, that's pretty cool. American but it's all, it's all back. Yeah. Well, no, it's all back. You know, uh, people are announcing their albums coming out in vinyl, and people get all excited about it yeah. these days. So, um, so one of the my favorite songs on there is "Hem," and you referenced just a, a minute ago, partly because it comes from one of my favorite stories. Uh, at least one part of it comes one of my favorite stories in the Bible of Jesus healing. I'm actually going to be preaching on that later this month uh, from Mark five with the the healing of the um, the woman who reached was bold enough. She'd been suffering for 12 years and then reaches out and touches the hem of his robe. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can take a moment and help describe how that song comes together. You know, lyrics, music, all that. And I think that was like a three in the morning idea, honestly. Yeah. Woke up and like trying not to sing too loud to wake anybody up and just like having that first line that I reach out into the hem, you know, like, and I just like, Oh man, it feels really good, you know. So just kind of that was just kind of like a, a stream of consciousness. And a lot of, for me, a lot of the ideas started from actually like wake up in the morning, get coffee, put on a vinyl. Yeah. For some reason I put a vinyl on and I just want to grab my guitar. Yeah. Because I hear Sister Rosetta Tharp or I hear Washington Phillips or I hear Jesse always laughs at me because I know more about African-American music from the 1920s and 30s. Like, who are these people? <laughs> but just, you know, just these Robert Johnson or these blues guys, you know, and they just pluck in the guitar. And it's like something about listening to that, watching it, hearing it just is inspiring to me to grab. So I think that was that one as well as Lord, Lord, Lord was came out of kind of hearing that stuff yeah. and then just picking up a guitar and kind of being really inspired by that music right away and going, what would it sound like if we put a modern kind of twist on this yeah. idea? And then, you know, uh, Anthony and I would get together and kind of hash the rest of it out, lay it out and kind of see where it goes. And so that one especially was kind of like, that was the first song I think that we had tried to incorporate the storytelling again, which has been done constantly, but in church music has taken a departure it's either done for like radio songs that are encouraging or, but like to try to pull that back into worship and then have a response in the chorus where people are able to kind of respond to what they just heard. Yeah. So a lot of that in, in really a lot of the songs that on around the mic became storytelling, you know, like just pulling in Bible references and, and you know, pulling in uh, pictures and metaphors and helping people, you know, paint a picture rather than like, like, don't tell me you're going to do something. Describe it for me. You know, like authors yeah. say all the time, like, don't just, sometimes we get so literal in our songs and it's like, well, are people going to really understand what you're saying if you're not literal? It's like, but sometimes that picture says more, like, what's it? Picture paints it. Yeah. Whatever I can phrase. start singing the song for you if you'd like me to. It's yeah. Like, yeah. The picture paints a thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> but just that idea of like, of, uh, Paul knows what I'm talking about. You know, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> He's trying not to. Just like, man, Sorry, David Gates, but yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. I do know the song. Just, I mean, I, I don't know. I was listening to Paul Simon on the plane coming yeah. here, and I was like, this guy is like light years ahead of me. So I just love hearing guys that are like, and then you hear these guys that blow your mind yeah. in a good way because it makes you, in, in a worshipful sense, it's like, I want to be making 
music that's creative and is God honoring, but also can help people that point to Christ and help people open themselves up to the change that needs to happen. I reach out and touch the hem of his garment, reach out and touch his robe. I cry, Lord, through the power of the Holy Ghost, reach out and touch his robe, and I'm made There's some study that was done, and I don't remember, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly where from, but it said that mo people learn more about the scriptures from the songs that they hear in church than they do from what they hear in the actual message. It's how we, and, learn, it's how we learn our ABCs, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Sticks with you. And so there, there's definitely an argument to be made, um, obviously, for the, the accuracy of our representation of the scripture in the songs, but also the fact that our songs should be rich in that scripture because people are going to remember that. You, you know, if, if you're reading the Bible, uh, and all you've done is listen to music, you're going to go, oh, that's where Matt Redman came up with that idea. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. To me, it's a blessing. And then when you know your Bible well enough, <laughs> you can actually listen to the song and go, I know what they're talking mm -hmm. about right there. Um, and it resonates with people because it is a story. Yeah. And, and when you get into the detail the, that literal songwriting gives you, you're actually helping make a, uh, a direct connection with people in a way that you don't when you're vague. Hmm. Yeah, it was, and to be honest, I mean, like, your question about, like, was it a real na natural progression? I think that it was. It came natural. But the whole time, we're still kind of second-guessing how relevant it is. You know, like, we know that these records are kind of left of center. Yeah. And as a worship leader, you're taking a chance by saying, should I do this? Because I'm alienating a bunch of people already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're kind of waving the flag for like, hey, there's there's other ways to go about this. Or reminding people there's other ways to lead worship than just this or that. Not that that's bad, because that's how I do it, too. Just that I think that even for people close to us, there have been some doubts about doing these kind of records. And is it, you know, is this the smartest move for your career right now? You should probably try to write worship songs that are more have a big, commercial. big chorus lift and all that kind of stuff. And there's yeah. something to be said for that. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, I think we just kind of did it because it just, it felt good yeah. to do it. And just like when we play it, it feels good. And I don't know, but, but at the same time, it's like, we'll go to worship leader conference and we end up, and this is not being prideful, but you end up standing at the end of the set and you're selling as many CDs as the, the band who's 50 times bigger than you yeah and you got to think to yourself maybe there is something here in this even though other places you go you don't sell anything because people are like you know <laughs> really good so i think i just think that you know you're following your heart you're following the spirit and trying to just be accountable for that you know but yeah. It, yeah. it feels nat. so i'm just trying to be honest about like it feels natural but it still feels like I hope this works, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, well, you're stepping out. And yeah. that's the way I felt um, that you got that this album, well, these albums is, is it's because you're stepping away from mainstream and, and closer to, let's say, your heart from a family perspective, mm -hmm. yeah. you are stepping in faith toward something that 
is uncomfortable at the same time that it's familiar. Hmm. Uh, but you know, I'll tell you, and, and Paul can speak to this probably as well as anybody, and I'm not trying to put words in Paul's mouth, but that the market is inundated with people trying to emulate certain sounds, and they don't necessarily do it well. And so um, you can put in a CD or cue something up and go, man, I've heard that thousands of times. How, how are you setting yourself apart? Um, and the fact that you guys are stepping outside of that mainstream uh, and especially because there's an authenticity to what you're doing that doesn't necessarily exist in other people who are emulating folks like Mumford and Sons, etc. It stands out as something real uh, and it creates a connection right out the gate. And I hope that's what you guys have found as you've been touring. And Jeremy, you have a comment? Well, I, I think we're just trying to, you know, be who we really are and play what we really like to put it in the simplest terms, yeah. you know, and, and God really um, has been has been blessing it, you know, and people are, are receiving it. Well, I don't, you know, and I think most of the, the bands that you've ever loved, um, deeply have kind of done that, you know, and then everybody is like, Hey, well, that worked. Let's do that. Right. You know? And, and well, they didn't start out like that. They may have admired people and tried to sound similar, but usually people just are like, Hey, this is what I love. Like a painter paints, you know? And so I think we're kind of hitting it like that. That makes sense. What's, <clears throat> well, I just, yeah, I feel like that. I, I agree. I don't think we're doing anything that certainly hasn't been done before. And there's a lot of references that we could point to on yeah. home and be like, that's a blatant ripoff of John Mayer. Let's yeah. try, let's try this game. Mayer. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Lord, Lord, Lord. That was the middle of the night, right? Okay. Um, All hail the power. Blatant ripoff of? Go. Well, the hymn. <laughs> so that the, one was too easy. Yeah. Okay, um, I won't do that to you. No, no. I mean, but I, I can. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you. Like um, Charles Bradley was a a guy that we were listening to a lot. Mavis Staples from the Staples Singers. I mean, there's a lot. In fact, it was <clears throat> making of home for us. Was we would all go into the the we'd all go into the to record the song, and we were working it out as a team. Uh, when we got there, we didn't pre, we didn't practice going into it. So we would get there and <clears throat> all the, you know, the band was there and we'd go in and play the song a couple of times. And when it started to sound, we would lose track of, of how would a gospel, how would this sound? How would we play this? We would actually go back into the studio, the control room and put, put a reference on like yeah. Mavis Staples and start listening to it again. And she's got a song. I was last in line for the one true vine, which is um, uh, I'll be with you always. Right. Her, her, that song, One True Vine by her was very much inspired, like, inspired us to write I'll be with you always. So, you know, um, so we would go into the control room and have to like go, oh, that's all right. And then go back in and try to like, exchange what we heard in there for how we would do it um, in our own way. And that was, I think that was a really cool learning experience for us because we were playing music that we really had no idea how to play yet. Um, and I still think we're learning yeah. how to play. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think that's kind of fun for us to try to, to figure that out. It's been part of the, the home journey is like uh, moving back in after you've gone away to college, you know, and your parent, I guess it's a, 
for parents, that's a nightmare, but you know, like trying, to just, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> trying to get back into the swing of what we grew up hearing, um, and just kind of refine, you know, find what we've, what see we've you created. And I see a roll away stone. You say I'll never be alone. I'll be with you always. I see a heart on the mend. I feel my strength rise again. Whether I'm out or I'm in, I'll be with you always. Yeah, and I think for Chris, I think one of the things that Chris said a couple of days ago um, has resonated, and I'd never really thought of it this way, is that like a song like Hem that has a story attached to it really reaches his con the congregation that he, he leads worship to. Um, I lead in a more churched environment where people know that story. Um, but a lot of the songs that we sing in worship are, you know, Lord, I need you or, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the norm more, maybe more what we're used to uh, hearing right now. <clears throat> but Chris leads at a church uh, Sunday nights that, um, to a lot of unchurched people, homeless people that are just there to eat, get some food. And so his thought was, if I could introduce them to the stories of the Bible through music, that's that's what I need to do. Because they didn't they don't have it in their brains to, oh, we put we put words up on the screen so that I can sing along with it. Yeah. That's really not there. And they don't really know what it means to say, Lord, um, I wanna be with you. And then they're not really sure what that means. So to change the language a little bit, to say, to start singing stories of the Bible makes sense. It's the, what Bob Dylan did, which he did so well, was just take very practical life situations and put it in working man's language um, that, that everybody could relate to and understand. Um, so you got these you know, worshipers that are coming on Sunday night that want Jesus, want to know about him. And so that's where the storytelling piece of our our season came. was like, oh, we need to start telling the stories of the Bible a bit. And um, and so that that's kind of an, he, I don't know, we were, we were talking about that the other day. I was just cool. trying to find, like, uh, I'm a wandering man, Lord, Lord, Lord. You know, this very simple. Uh, thanks. Just very simple um, truths, but saying them in a way that uh, doesn't feel like you, you know, just feels honest and yeah. has a kind of a working man's language to it. That's a tough thing to do as a songwriter. Uh, at least I found that to try to, to tell something honestly. I think one thing uh, Paul Belash said at some point was writing songs for the guy in the back mm. um, for his situation. You know, which means you have to shut off that commercial part of your brain and start to project uh, what would I feel like if I were in this guy's shoes and write a song from that perspective, setting aside um, any thoughts of commercial appeal. And, you know, if I throw in, uh, if I write the bridge just right, maybe it'll catch on better. It's just like this guy needs to hear these words today. Mm -hmm. Um and that, that's tough to do. And to be cynical, I find that I often, that it's often not present in the music that I hear. I can hear when somebody is trying too hard to do something. Of course, I know I'm wrong a lot because I'll hear something and go, ah, this guy, 
whatever. This is garbage. They're just, you know, some derivative stuff from somebody else. And then I'll meet the person and go, all right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're authentic. I'm a jerk, yeah. you yeah. know. Uh, oh, you're not so derivative. Okay. All right, man. Yeah, your, your production just is. Yeah. Um, that, that might be the issue, but that's a separate conversation. Sure, this is your closing. What are your closing remarks? What are your um, closing thoughts on this? You album? know, what we're... No, really? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, you haven't said anything. No, I just, I just think it's cool because, we, you know, one of the things that we've been doing, too, is we're going into churches. And, you you know, you get really used to the format of how a worship service is supposed to go. And um, a lot of the songs that we've written aren't exactly typical worship songs. Yeah. And what we'll do a lot of times is just say, hey, guys, why don't you just be seated? We're going to we're going to sing this song over you. And why don't you just sit and take it in? And it's kind of like one of the things that's kind of gotten lost is the special, you know, like when sister so-and-so or whoever. Oh, right. Come right. Up special and, music. Time. Yeah. Sing a song that, you know, necessarily wasn't for everyone to sing, but to still be ministered to of the Lord from. And I think um, we're kind of hitting on that in a lot of places. And people are like, oh man, you know, that was cool just to sit there and, Sit and not feel like I have to learn something or sing this, this phrase. Yeah, just yeah. to sit and take it in, in in just a different way. Because, you know, pastors get up and they preach and they don't ask you to, you know, repeat everything they say. But you yeah. sit there and listen. And that can happen in song, too. And it's it's kind of been a cool experience to go down that road a little bit. So. That's, a, that's a great way to, to wrap it up. Um, guys, ready? thank you for taking the time to, to tell us more about the album and uh, for allowing us to do a redo on yeah. an interview that blew up before, and it, it's actually still recording. So thank you, Personas Studio One. Yeah. Advertising dollars. Yeah. And Paul, thanks for, for joining us, yeah. for, for being to, present and adding some Glad to host you guys. It's always good to see you guys when you come through. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.